Hey, Chris Manning here from the Lockdown Cavs podcast, joined today by very special guest Richard Seaman at Mavs Draft and Twitter from the Lockdown NBA Draft podcast to talk in the first segment about what it means for the Cavs to probably, in all likelihood, picking 14th in segment one, talking about Wisconsin's Johnny Davis in segment two, and Kansas's Ochai Abaji in segment three. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in, at least in audio form only right now, is from Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify uh, if you're into some good music. Thanks again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Manning. Cover the Cavs and the NBA from places like Diamond Up Rocks and Estimations for the Sword. Our guest today, as mentioned at the top, is Richard Stamen, Mavs Drafting's winner and one of the Lockdown NBA Draft experts over in the Lockdown NBA Draft feed. Richard, what's up, man? Thanks for coming through. Hey, I'm happy to be back. I know we had a uh, a good run. La- was it last year? I've, I've lost track of time. So ex- ta- ta- time since the the big since like March of 2022 <laughs> is is fake. So that is that is understandable that we we have forgotten how long it has been. Yeah, I'm excited to be back though. I think uh, I think the Cavs are in a really good position long term. So interested to see how they add on this year in the draft. Yeah, so let's let's start with that. So they're probably going to be picking 14th unless the Tankathon gods bestow them a top three pick and they can do something, whatever they do that, whether that's picking someone or whether that's trading that for a more savage player, they're probably going to be picking 14th. I, they obviously tried to, this was a pick that if they would have made the playoffs, they wouldn't have had. So I, there is, even if it makes trading future picks a little more complicated for Kobe Allman and his staff, there probably is some benefit to them getting a pick. But Richard, when we look at this draft and we look at what picking 14th means in this class, what do you think that offers Cleveland? If, if they're looking to add something right now, yeah, you look at some of the years uh, it passed, really just like the last five years, and 14 to 16, really 13 to 16, you all, you get a lot of good value in in terms of just guys who probably should go top 10. Every year there's a guy who slips. Uh, just some recent names, Michael Porter Jr. went 14th in 2018. Tyler Hero went 13th in 2019. In 2020, uh, wasn't as strong, but Cole Anthony, somebody I had really high, he went four, uh, excuse me, 15th. So right in that range, and then last year, Moses Moody was a guy who I thought was for sure top 10 pick. And all of those guys, I mean, you could make the argument at a very good case for top 10. So you're getting value of teams are probably going to reach at some point in the first 13 picks, and someone like the Cavs would definitely benefit. So when you look at this, the quality of this class, I think everyone knows the top three, probably the top four, maybe five or six, depending on where Shade and Sharp sort of ends up in this class as well. But when you look at that range, what, you know, whether it's like outside of the six to like 14, 15, 16, in that range roughly, maybe it's sitting out to 20, depending on how you feel about tiers. Is, is the talent pool where the Cavs are going to ha- be picking from in all likelihood, is there is there intrigue in having this pick in this class if you're them trying to add on to Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and the rest of what they're going to be building with? Yeah, I think my board stops around 15. There's a is the last of really like the the quality lottery tier or lottery, I would say eligible on my board where I would be like, all right, I take them in the lottery and I don't have a lot of concerns. After that, it really does drop off. So 
uh, in recent years for reference, I usually go, go about 20 on that. This year it's about five short. So the depth in the middle is lacking and obviously the star power at the top is lacking, but it's a deep class overall. Um, I think for the Cavs, they can find somebody who, who is a specialist in that range. I mean, obviously a couple of the guys that we're going to be talking about today qualify very much for that role, but I think, I think that they're in a good spot where they can either gamble too with best player available and just go for an upside play or just get a role player who fits the current timeline. So here are the, I'm going to, I went on to mazdraft.com. You're, you're saying here's, and if there's anything that has changed, you can, you can tell the listeners and, and the viewers. Here's the, here's what we have right now. Two through, I'm going to go two through 19. Cause there's a name at 19 uh, that I know the Cavs have scouted. And I think he'll, be in play, even if it's maybe a little lower on some people's boards. So 10, Nikola Jovic, uh, the international forward, Jalen Duran, the center at 11, Ochai, uh, Ochai Ajabi, who we're going to talk about later, Kendall Brown, Ty Ty Washington, Johnny Davis, Jaden Hardy, um, Ismail Kamate, who I have not seen that name before, so I mispronounced it. I apologize. Ryan Rollins from Toledo and, and Malachi Branham at 19, the guard from Ohio State with Dyson Daniels um, at 20. That... It, there's some names in there that when I have started to do my cursory dive into this and look at this and think about, okay, can what can the Cavs add? What are some of the things they can consider? Think about what they need in terms of probably help to take a next step next year, but also kind of build out their, their build out what the talent pool they have. There's a lot of names in that range that I, that I like, like in just cur- the cursory knowledge of it. And, the, and yes, there's some centers in there. I don't think they're going to, they should use a, a, a top 14 pick on a center, that would be a little bit crazy to me, but there's a lot of guards and wings that I think are kind of of interest to me. And we're going to, I mean, we're going to talk about two of them later today. Yeah. I, I don't think there's really, uh, if you're trying to pick a center one, the, the Cavs are in a good position that they've gotten their front court for the most part out of the way. And it also helps that they've hit on what every draft since 2018. I mean, their quote unquote worst pick might be Colin Sexton. And even to him is he's a great pick. So the Cavs are almost playing with house money here in, you could go so many different directions and they really don't need to go for a big at all. And I, I don't really think there's any more than two bigs probably in the lottery uh, that, that really are worth taking. I mean, it's Chet and Duren for me. So I, I think the Cavs are in a beautiful spot. If you're looking at got if you're looking at someone that maybe could slip for whatever reason out of that, that top outside of that top and if someone does get pushed out for whatever reason is there anyone that stands out to you as someone that if the caps could cross their fingers and say okay if this guy falls in our lap or maybe we go from 14 to 12 use one of our second round picks to move up or something is there is there a name that if that guy falls that you kind of feel like they should make maybe make a move to go get that player if they do end up slipping a little bit yeah there's two guys that come to mind for this one is somebody who absolutely should this shouldn't happen but you never know with injury, and that's A.J. Griffin from Duke. Uh, I think he, when, if he had come into the season healthy, he had a knee injury in high school. If he had come into the season healthy, I think he would be more widely regarded as a top-five prospect. Uh, his archetype is just ridiculous, six seven or so, really athletic, long, uh, really NBA-ready already, strong defender, can shoot the lights out, and should be able to develop on-ball skill. If the medical records don't check out, kind of like Michael Porter Jr. in 2018, literally also at the 14 spot, um, he could be someone that he falls into their lap. And then the other is Tari Eason. Tari Eason somebody from LSU who I haven't seen. I don't think there's a concrete range for him. I've seen him as high as eight. I've also seen him outside of the lottery. So I don't know what his actual range is, but you look at a Patrick Williams type, and that's what you get with uh, Tari Eason. 
That's that's an intriguing. The name that if I'm Cleveland and when I first reached out to you about draft stuff, the name that I'm like, if I'm Cleveland and I, I don't suspect he'll fall. Uh, he's number five in your board. That's Benedict Mantheon. He's the guy that if you fell to like eight, I'd be like blowing up phones and being like, can we please go get this guy who would fit us perfectly in a lot of ways? But like you said, like if you're talking about you get a Patrick Williams type defender, that kind of that mold of that four that, I mean, we've seen in the Boston series, how valuable like Grant Williams has been. And the idea of Patrick Williams obviously is so intriguing for Chicago. Like that, that's a skill set that I think if you look at Cleveland's roster as a way to support Evan Mobley, maybe unlock him at the five a little bit as he gets bigger, that's a skill set they absolutely could use. And like, I think that's sort of the beauty of, of where Cleveland is at in a lot of ways. I think number one, they have a roster that I think you obviously have top line talent. You really like, and but it's also I think malleable talent. I think Garland is pretty versatile. I think Mobley is pretty versatile. I think Allen is a specialist in a specific way, but he's really good at, at what he does in that way, right? There's also just like different ways. If you can find talent that fits it, it's it, you can use those guys in different ways. And if maybe it's not the way you necessarily how they feel about that is a different question. But if you're, I think where Cleveland is at, they could push this in different directions. And I and I wonder if they look at this class. And they look at drafting here and what they're going to do the next couple of months. And it'll, it'll tell us something about how what they feel about how they're building. Look, I mean, Colin Sexton in the summer is up for an extension. Okoro, who I would probably say is the is is the worst pick of of the Kobe Altman era since 2018. And I, I love I, I'm an Okoro guy. That is a situation where, you know, what they do with him in a year will be interesting. It's like, I, I think this is just like an interesting time to have a pick because I think if everything goes to plan, this probably is also the last time they pick in the top. 14 and like their 2023 pick will now probably go to indiana maybe they'll trade some other future picks if they get aggressive this summer but i think if you're them you're hoping this is the last time you're picking this high and what they potentially do with that is kind of interesting to me yeah again i mean they're kind of playing with house money over there and and yeah it's sexton or a coro and god do you know how many teams would kill to have the draft record for the last four years that the cleveland cavaliers have actually they, they've been almost perfect when you speaking relatively as in no boss uh, even i mean I, I, you can pull out some of the best resumes of drafting and nobody comes close in the last yeah. four years of what Cleveland's done. So they're playing with house money and I'm really interested to see what they do. Um, kind of quick question for you, actually just turn the yeah. tables. Do you think Hit they'll me. go best player available or ups or uh, forfeit? I have a hard time reading that because they are, they play things I think very close to the vest. I know that they scouted Branham a lot. I know that they, I know that they've scouted uh, the two guys we're talking about today. Um, I tend to think that they will probably try to like toe the line a little bit just because I think they feel like they have the, I feel like they, and I think rightfully so they look at Garland and Mobley and say, we have our two like lead guys. Like we have our two super duper stars, but at the same time, if like someone like, if like, I don't even know what, if you could contribute in your one, but if for some reason, like Shaden Sharp failed to them for whatever reason, that's an easy pick to me. Like, I, I think you could make an argument that like Dyson Daniels, makes sense to them. And he's a guy that could have some development that has some development in front of him. Right. Like, and, and what he exactly is, is, is unclear. And even Branham, like you could look at him and say, Hey, if they feel he's the best guy on the board at 14, for whatever reason, you could argue like his skill set is not even like perfect. Like the guy we're going to talk about in the next segment, Johnny Davis, if they love him, that's not a, his numbers don't suggest a guy that is like perfect for, for what they kind of need. Like it, it, it's what makes like guys like Achabi and Kendall Brown, like, those guys scream like guys who can shoot, guys who can play, can be a wing. And then there's other guys where I think that are very much in play that don't scream that. And I, I think it could go either way right now. I, I will be curious to see what and if kind of comes out around the lottery and what, what we kind of see. I wouldn't even be surprised if they're also also shopping this pick to some degree because I could see them saying, look, 
we can draft someone and that would be nice. And I, I kind of think financially that make that makes sense, which is the, the other part of this. But I think you get to the draft and say, okay, maybe there's a trade that manifests at that time. And I, I, I will be curious. I think, th- I think we will actually learn a lot about their philosophy in a lot of ways uh, with this pick. All right, after the break, we're going to talk first about Johnny Davis, the Wisconsin guard. But first, going to tell everyone about Bill Bar. Richard, do you have a favorite Bill Bar flavor? Man, I love the cookies and cream. I mean, it's so basic, but I'm such a sucker for it. No, it's so good. It's like Bill Bars are great. They're the best things for us out there. I'm going to have a cookies and cream one, I think, when we finish recording this, but covered in 100% real chocolate, including the puffs. Go to built.com, check out the macros chart. You're going to be blown away. They're high protein, low calorie, high fiber, and low carb. Most Bill Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. They have great flavors. Cookies and cream, a favorite here of Richard and of me, and of Evan. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. They have peanut butter brownie. Can't really go wrong, and they're all delicious with new flavors coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they're going to make it, and it's going to be delicious and good for you. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Again, the promo code is LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, back here with Richard Stamen at MathDraft on Twitter from the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Richard, Johnny Davis. Okay, for listeners that don't know, 6'5", 196-pound guard from Wisconsin, played two years for the Badgers. Last year, averaged 19.7 points, 2.1 assists, shot 42.7% from the field, and 30.6% from three. He made a big leap statistically from year one to year two, was the Big Ten Player of the Year last year, and a consensus All-American. Uh, pretty, uh, I, From what I can tell, like was off draft boards really after a freshman year, and now is, it seems like a surefire lottery pick. You have him 15. Uh, this this was when Evan and I were planning this episode. This was the guy he wanted to make sure we talked about as we kind of kick off this draft process for us. So, what what do you make of Johnny Davis? Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Um, I hadn't really heard of him until he went on to the FIBA U nineteen team that featured Chet Holmgren, Patrick Baldwin, Mike Miles, a bunch of college stars that in first round picks from for this draft class. And Johnny Davis showed off his shooting and he really, he used that stage to develop his overall game. He became obviously, I want to say he was the big 10 player of the year. Was that right? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. And he was all big 10 consensus, all American, like all the awards he raked as a sophomore. The, the main area is like, he, he just became a good ball handler scorer, just created his own shot. He was a one man show at Wisconsin what you're getting with him is you're getting a high IQ player that can score the ball, play defense, and has a high motor and just doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Um, to, to, to kind of just give a, an opposite view, he does struggle to get a shot off at times. It's been only a few times in the season, but when he didn't get it off, he looked pretty rough. The question really becomes, is he an on-ball primary scorer or is he an off-ball guy who he feeds off of a primary ball handle a little bit better? What would you make of his fit in Cleveland as, you know, maybe not the, uh, probably a guy that's like a bench guard, at least, at least to start his career. Yeah, I, I think he would probably come off the bench. I'm trying to think of the, the roster construction with having him of, of be, what his, 
you you next year you'd roll in next year with guard wise it'd be Garland, uh, Sexton pending a contract, Karis Levert, Okoro's nominally a guard wing, like and and then you kind of from there it's like okay like are you gonna re-sign Ricky Rubio this summer or go get another veteran point guard? Um, you know you have Lamar Stevens who's kind of playing guard and wing minutes as well. Jetty Osmond who who could be traded this summer is there as well. There's like I think room to upgrade at the guard. I just the skill set is I think what's interesting because if he it's a guy who's got the size of this. Like if you tell me that you're gonna bet and and developing a guy who doesn't can't necessarily get off his own shot as cleanly as possible, the Cavs kind of feel like a team that could like make work with that to some degree. But if they feel if they feel like they want some shot creating upside, then that would maybe factor into this to some degree. Yeah, and I I forgot about Karis Levert being traded there for a second, so I knew <laughs> well, I was missing somebody. Well, a, lot, a lot of people a lot of, didn't go great. Didn't go great. <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes it easier if Johnny Davis was drafted and like even it's like a sixty percent outcome of his ceiling. Uh, he probably makes Karis Levert a little bit more expendable. So I think that's a that's a big piece that you brought up, like the the roster upgrades that he could offer. I mean, uh, Windler's been a little bit disappointing to say the least. Like obviously he's not the same role, but I do think that he could add a lot. I think he would probably take pressure off of uh, Garland. I mean, the same way they thought Karis LeVert would, and that'd be on both ends, really. I think when you look at what Johnny Davis does, like obviously we know he's a scorer. He can get he can get his shots and everything, but something that's underrated about him is just he plays so hard all the time, and it translates on defense. Like Even though he's not the most skilled defender, he stays in plays because of that motor. So I think he fits everything with Cleveland, what they're doing to just talking through what I just said. So I've yeah. suddenly convinced myself. <laughs> so what about his shot? Because I think if I'm looking at this and I'm playing, um, I'm, I'm picking at this. I look at a guy who shot 30.6% from three and I say, okay, that that's a little concerning. Um, the Cavs are a team that I think needs spacers. They need guys that can stretch the floor a little bit. It's one of the limits of Okoro. It's it's the reason they miss Sexton. It's it's one of the big hinge things um, of of Mobley right now, right? Like if Mobley develops a shot in a lock salon, he doesn't have to to be great, but like it, it would help if he could. So when you look at his shooting profile, is 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 he a guy that could become like even an average NBA shooter? Like is that in the cards for Davis if things break correctly? Yes, very much so. I think it's really interesting if you take out the postseason, the, the one conference tournament game and then the two NCAA tournament games where he shot a combined four of 22 from three. His three-point percentage goes up to 33.3%. So whatever that's worth, I know it's still not great. Um, I, I think that is an improvement. But more importantly, I look at free throw percentage with guys that have clearly good form, good touch. He's at 79%. It's really good. Uh, generally 78 77 and a half is like the number you want to be at if you're a guard or wing and he cleared that so I, I have a lot of promise there with that and then also he can his form is just really nice and he gets his shot off well like the the release is clean the one concern i do have and and one other thing also is that he was a one-man show so you have to take that into some context okay. there, yep. of course but my main concern for him and the if you're wanting to find one game of where this happened the penn state game where it was his first single digit scoring game of the year he could not get off a single shot. And Penn State isn't that great of a defense. So that really concerned me. And then he was predictable behind screens, and they figured him out. So I just worry about can he be less predictable around screens to get his shots off in the yeah, NBA. I, yeah, I think that will be interesting. I think he'd be a guy that maybe if you if you go this way and maybe they identify, okay, we want a big guard, a bigger two guard to kind of play with our guys. Maybe there's a way that that works because Darius is going to handle the burden of that to some degree, and like he can develop, and like maybe that there's a way that you can kind of coax some of this out of him over time. How would you if if the Cavs let's say end up taking him at fourteen, 
let's just I, just kind of yes or no. Is that a is that a reasonable pick at at at, at fourteen? I think it is. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people had him top 10. I'm just a little bit hesitant because of those two things of, you know, being a one man show, maybe it was a little bit inflated. And then also, can he score without screens? So I'm, I'm a little bit lower on him than most, but I think when you put him in a right situation, kind of like Cleveland, where they have Darius Garland to, to do a lot of the dirty work for him as a creator, for example, I, I think he goes to a good situation in Cleveland. Yeah. All right. After the break, we're going to turn our attention to Kansas's Ochai Abaji, a prospect who fits the three and D profile a little bit older, also has said he has interest in playing for the Cavs, whatever that means. But first, going to tell everyone about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one source for all your betting and stats and sports needs this season and all seasons. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, and this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Be sure to check out BetOnline for the latest odds and odds on each and every playoff game. BetOnline is your continued source for your sports wagering information from live betting to the playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. For example, in the NBA draft world, Jabari Smith from Auburn is currently their favorite to be picked number one overall at minus 125. Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren is plus 215. And Duke's Paolo Banchero is plus 325. That's BetOnline. That's where the game starts. Richard, when you hear those numbers on on bet online uh just do you have a, would you if you if you had number one a number one pick which one of those guys would you take i think it's jabari i'm going with the the odds makers too and that's why i have number one on my board yeah interesting. i see you have chet at four if the that's interesting we'll have to talk about that off air because the Cavs will probably not be in a consideration to, to take chet but all right we're back we're going to talk now about uh ochi abaje from kansas Look, I, I want to just start with this because I think this 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 is part of the discourse on this, and whether that's fair or not is is I, I will leave that to the listeners and the viewers. Is there a significant downside or any downside you would consider in picking someone like him who is twenty two as a four year player in the lottery, even if it is the back end of the lottery? Is there is there something that counts against him because he's a little bit of an older prospect and compared to these other guys? I don't I don't think the age should matter that much. I mean, let's learn from the mistakes we've made as as NBA, uh, you know, both fans and NBA teams, mostly NBA teams, but they they messed up by putting Desmond Bain as the 30th pick. Uh, obviously a little bit different from Agbaji because he's the wingspan differences are a lot. But Desmond Bain was the best shooter in that class. Uh, there was some debate and he is a top 5 player from that draft I, I think the best shooter in the draft that has a real role and can do other things is an automatic lottery prospect like then just a redraft value those guys return way better value than the draft slot most of the time so he comes in after being uh again a four-year player at kansas one just won a national title was the most outstanding player in the final four shot 40.7 percent from three 8.8 .8 points 5.1 rebounds per game it seems like watching him, it seems like looking at his numbers and, and diving into him, it really seems like this is like a 3 and D guy. And I think if you're Cleveland and you look at what that, – if that is the skill set he is, and it, maybe it's not linearly going to be exactly what he is. There's always some changes when guys transition for whatever reason. This, this seems like a guy that on paper – would like fill the most obvious hole on the Cavs roster. And it's also the thing that like every NBA team wants. So is, is that what he is? Is he like a, a plug and play three and D guy to some degree? 
Yeah, I, I think in the regular season, you might see some 3 and D. Uh, I would be hesitant to use that label on him just because I think the defense is very exposable. Um, he's more of a tools 3 and D guy where he's got the, the length and athleticism and everything, but he needs to be taught how to play better team defense uh, to really maximize that end. But as a plug-and-play shooter, without a doubt, offensively, his entire game translates up to the NBA. So you mentioned in your scouting report that his team defense is questionable. Can you explain how what that means as opposed to being like a one-on-one -on -one defender? Just for, for the viewers that maybe are thinking, okay, like he, he looks a good defender, has good steal rates or whatever. Like what, what is it about his team defense that leaves you a little bit cold? Sure, yeah. So pretty much when I say team defense, it's the rotations. It's uh, if you get beat off your man, what do you do next kind of thing where it's do you just kind of sit like James Harden in the dust? Like he's not a good team defender. Uh, do you sit in the dust and just go, oh, well, I got blown by, and then kind of just move on to the next thing? Or do you rotate, find whoever helped rotate down? Do you take their man? Kind of Just kind of figuring out the schemes and going along with what happens if it doesn't go to plan. How can you recover? Things like that. That's generally what it means by team defense and off-ball defense as well, uh, just preventing things from happening on ball. Um, so if, as for his team defense, it's just the, the decision-making, he kind of just doesn't know where to go is kind of what I see whenever he gets blown by and he is a little bit prone to getting blown by as well, which is alarming because he's so athletic, but he just doesn't know how to use his tools just yet. So does it feel like it, not the same body type, but does it kind of feel like he would fit the like Robert Covington profile of like, like has a reputation as like a really good defender, but is clearly better off ball and is a pest off ball or sorry, let me, let me flip that more of like a point of attack guy than an off-ball guy is so not robert covington more like isaac okoro in, in some ways yeah yeah i'd say he's better on ball than than off ball yeah i i my brain is is broken as if you get into like year three of the pandemic so my brain just misconfused what robert covington is in my head and then i caught myself what what is he on the offensive end and how has that changed as we've seen more of him after i mean there's four years of tape on him which is a little obviously unusual for a lottery pick i mean like I, I would I would love to be I would love to like talk to an NBA scout who like has to do who's like in the who gets assigned his list of guys and it's like okay you both you have Shaden Sharp and you have this guy like you have these two, two guys at the extreme opposite spectrum of how much tape you have really available to you so like how has he grown up and, and like was this a guy that like even a year ago would have would have been in the conversation to be a, a first round pick. Yeah, Oche was a guy who last year when he was in the combine, I never saw him above like the 30th pick at best. Uh, There's a lot of people saying like, you know, I gamble on the tools kind of thing. And I had him in the 30s. Uh, this year, it's a lot different. Like just coming back and being the first option while also being more efficient really is what won me over. But uh, just talking about the offense, I mean, his athleticism, first of all, it starts with that. The athleticism is out of this world. I've seen him now three times in person at TCU and uh Man, every time I get there early, he is the most fun college athlete I've seen pregame because he'll do between the legs dunks where he's getting his head even with the rim. I posted a couple of videos of it. It's ridiculous. So he's really fun as an athlete, and he knows how to use that as a cutter and a finisher. I think in the NBA, you'll see it more as a finisher on ball, uh, like a slasher, than he got to show in college because the paint is so crowded in college. But then it goes to the jump shooting. His ability to come off screens is absolutely perfect. It's just perfection in every way. Uh, there's no dip in his shot. It's super quick from top to bottom. Uh, it, it just, everything looks good. The form is nice. He gets it off clean. He can shoot over defenders, all of that. So I think if you, he's kind of an analytical darling where he'll probably be a really good finisher. You won't see a lot of mid-range. And then he's going to be lights out from three. 
Can he defend up? Probably not. Okay. That to me is if I'm Cleveland is something that I I think I am considering in this draft because I've like looked I, like I look at Okoro, and he's best as a point of attack guy can defend up a little bit because he's I, very strong but like isn't going to defend the three four types they're missing I think they are kind of clearly missing that like and, and look these guys are very a premium for a reason but like I've watched again Grant Williams play for Boston in the playoffs and it's like that kind of guy who can defend up defend down a little bit has strength to is like something I'm considering. I don't, but also doesn't seem like there's necessarily a guy into this range as we understand the board right now that necessarily like fits that. So like if you came to me, if you came away with this guy or you came away with, you know, maybe, maybe Eason who we talked about at the top is, is maybe that, but like if you came with Kendall Brown or, or some of these other guys or Johnny Davis, like that to me seems like a reasonable thing to do because you also do have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen to build your defense with. Like it's it, that that almost is like I think a desirable skill set that that Grant Williams prototype. At the same time, like maybe you don't have to like go out of your way to try to find it because you have these two like freaks at the back end of your defense. Like with, with those two guys, you had a and Mobley was a rookie last year, and Allen's like twenty three. Like they had a top ten defense for for depending on what metric you're looking at. Yeah, and and also it's like they're. I think this is the first year that Cleveland has had a good, good defense since before <laughs> LeBron, like excluding the LeBron James years. Well, the, the, those defenses were only good in the playoffs when they decided they had to try. So true, the, the, but yes. I mean, like to find a be pre two thousand three good Cavs defense, you have to go back before. I mean, before you and I were born, and probably half the listeners were born. So yes, it's really impressive. I, I think uh, I think Igbaji, he won't hurt it, but he definitely won't help it. Okay, so I think the answer is is a yes, um, based on uh, talking to you privately and everything. But uh, Abaji would be a reasonable pick at fourteen. Absolutely. Okay, would you say him or Davis? You have you have Abaji higher on the board, but if you're Man. Cleveland, does one of them fit better to you? I have them separated by three spots. I think. Okay. Man, you can never have enough shooters. I mean, you can never when you have a team like Cleveland has getting the best shooter in the draft. Man, that's that's tough to turn down, or at least first round shooter. That's tough. But if Johnny, if both translate, here's how I'll answer this: If both translate, you get Johnny Davis. If everyone hits their 100 percent outcome and looks just as good, whatever, it's Johnny Davis. If it's a medium outcome, say 60 percent, give or take, you take Oche Baji. Low end, you take Oche. So it depends what you're looking for. Okay, I think that's a fair answer. Richard, give everyone the plug about what you guys are doing over on, on the Locked NBA Draft Unit and all the work you're doing to get people, uh, idiots like me, who are crash coursing into the draft, uh, prepared for, for the NBA draft. Hey, no, uh, it's actually really exciting. We actually just rebranded very recently. We moved yes. over to, uh, we took over for Chad Ford. There's about four of us. Uh, the real person who took over is Rafael Barlow, but he, he's kind enough to keep us on board. And uh, I'm on every Tuesday, but Locked On NBA Big Board is the show. Uh, so you won't see anything pop up on Locked On NBA Draft anymore. But uh, the big board is where everything's happening. We're going to have some player interviews. We're doing a lot of just fun exercises for the draft, scouting report, all of it. So it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, if you want to get smarter for the draft, in addition to listening to to Locked On Cavs, go check out check out the NBA Big Board. Uh, check out the the Substack Rafael is doing as well. Check out MavsDraft.com. Check out the community mocks uh, that Richard was kind enough to put me in and have a draft for the Cavs. Did you like my Abaje Wendell Moore haul? Dude, it was it was nice. You had a good you had a good tandem there. I was just like, give me the wings. I have a t- I have a clear like need here. And then uh, you know, I, you ended up picking the UDFA's for me. But the one I was gonna do just for for humor, and I know he's really fallen. 
Um, I was just going to be like, can I just have Isaiah Mobley just for tampering purposes? Oh, no, like, that's like Isaiah probably won't get drafted. And that's probably yeah. where he ends up. What what happened there? Just as a quick like Mobley related note. Sure. He was, I saw him as like a lottery guy, like not a lottery guy, but like a first round guy, like early in the year. What happened? Yeah. So he um, I, I never really saw him as a first round guy personally. Um, there were there was that hype, though. There like definitely was. People expected him to take a big jump. He just didn't. Uh, he's a classic tweener. He's a power forward with, I mean, like this may shock you, ridiculously long arms. Uh, might have a longer wingspan relative to his body than uh, than Evan Mobley. But the problem is he can't be, he's not a consistent shooter and the volume uptick just didn't happen. He's a very good passer though. So, uh, and good defender too. I just don't know how valuable that is at power forward when you can't shoot. So he's a good bet. Like especially with Evan there, uh, if you wanted to put him on the two way, uh, I think that would Cle- be an elite deal. Cleveland, like him and Taco Fall in the in the G League, just sounds like an absolute like annoying pest thing to play with. If if the Charge want to do that next year, for me that just sounds like a, a good time more than anything else, and just good relationship building. Like it, the NBA has done that. I mean, J.R. Smith got his brother signed to the Knicks, so like if if if, if J.R. Smith can get Chris Smith signed to the Westchester Knicks, I think Evan Mobley can get his brother. Uh, to the Cleveland Charge on you to fame. Richard, thanks so much for coming on. I'm gonna we're gonna have you back on. I'm gonna ask you now on the spot. I'm gonna let you pick Evan and I pick this time. Is there a prospect that you want to make sure we talk about next time we do this? Oh man, yes. G- give me like g- give me a name and I'll put it down now. Let's do Nikola Jovic. Let's okay. I'm in on this. He's 10 on your board. He's the I believe I'd have to check the DM, but I believe when I reached out to you about like what guy should I start scouting, he was the first name you mentioned. Um so yeah, let's do. We'll do Nikola Jovic next time. That's going to be fun. Check out that. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. And speaking of Mobley's, next week we're going to kick off the Evan Mobley season in review week here in Lockdown Cavs. I hope you guys tune in for that. Thanks again for listening. Be well. Thanks again to Richard. Uh, and have a great weekend. And weirdly, we did this on the same. This episode is coming out the same day the NFL draft started. Um, frankly, I think the NBA draft's more fun. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Talk to you soon.